Hello and welcome to the rundown here on WNYU 89.1 FM and online everywhere at WNYU.org. And this is the rundown report and it's our second week and me and our news director, Jack Peterson, will be talking about local politics and our humble opinions on them. Jack Peterson, hi. Hey, what's up? Some of my opinions, I'm just going to warn you, are not uh, so humble this week. Very humble. Really? Because I, I feel pretty strongly about them, you know? I guess humble in, I, I mean, our qualifications to be talking about That's these things. True. That's true. Our More humble like, opinions are... <laughs> we should be humble, is really what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Just to preface with that, so I think today we're going to be talking a bit about more about Eric Adams. We're going to be covering Cuomo and then uh, recent updates with New York public schools and how they've been responding to the Omicron variants. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're also going to be talking specifically, uh, I mean, like you said, we're going to be talking specifically about a, a major event that happened today, uh, as we're taping this at least, in that the uh, a lot of high schools, a lot of public high schools and charter high schools in uh, New York City, all around New York City, especially in Brooklyn and Manhattan, uh, walked out of their schools around lunchtime to protest uh, COVID rules. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into uh, the Democrats' upcoming midterm strategy, which I have a few things to say about. And uh, yeah, kind of everything in between. Everything in between. So where do we want to start with Eric Adams? Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> so um, so everyone knows about his um, new thing. Well, first we had the, the GSD... Uh, <laughs> rhetoric, GSD? the get stuff done. Yes, that's and, right. And now we're, we have Swagger, um, which he's brought into a kindergarten class. It's it's one of the most cringeworthy clips I've seen. I, I Look, um, as a future teacher, like I'm currently in school to be an educator, this is the exact opposite of what I want to see kids doing on my screen, if that makes sense. Uh, this Swagger thing, what he meant by that. Um, yeah, we'll get into it after you play the clip, because I know you want to play okay. the clip. But. So just a quick preface on the clip. So we've got Eric Adams. He's in uh, what seems to be a kindergarten classroom with a bunch of masked kids. Um, and they're holding a sign which says, Welcome, Mayor Adams. We have Swagger. Okay, so this is the clip. Um, viewer discretion, discretion advised. It is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty bad. So if you're sensitive... Um, just now is the time to turn away. Okay. Two, three. We are <laughs> The reason that I especially don't like that clip is because... <sighs> If you recall, I and mean, we talked about this in depth last week, but the reason that Eric Adams came up with this really strange swagger uh, catchphrase of his is because he wanted to emphasize that schools were not going to be closing, even despite the Omicron variant. That there was not going to be virtual options mm-hmm. for schools and that we are going to have to just tough it out because that's what New Yorkers do. We got to have swagger. A mayor should have swagger and students in schools should have swagger. And so essentially what these children are being told to say uh, is that we are not going to go along with your liberal lockdowns. And uh, it's, I don't know, it's something you probably more so expect. I mean, based on the context, at least, it's something you more so expect to see in, like, Florida or Texas. I I don't like the rhetoric around the swagger thing, you know, like mm-hmm. what it means, yeah. what it represents, not just the fact that it's cringeworthy. It's just very tone-deaf, mm-hmm. yeah. more, more or less. 
especially on a day, which obviously we'll get into more, especially on a day that, that a lot of kids, you know, did the exact opposite of what we just saw in this clip and walked out of school to protest mm-hmm. these specific policies. Exactly. And so I guess we can start getting into more of um, what's been going on with Eric Adams and his recent appointees this week. So if you haven't heard, um, and so Mr. Um, Bernard Adams, who is um, Eric Adams' brother, uh, who was retired as a sergeant from the New York Police Department in 2006, and he has worked since 2008 um, essentially as a parking administrator um, in Virginia, according to his LinkedIn profile. So um, he started work with Eric Adams um, um, at birth. Yes, this is this is um, this is Eric Adams's brother. Yeah. Um, so essentially, everything was done very under the table. Bernard Adams started work on December thirtieth, and they didn't really start seeking approval um, from the conflicts of interest board until December seventh. Only after the New York Post reported his hiring. Um, so originally. Um, Adam's brother was to act as deputy commissioner, so he would essentially be overseeing security detail for other elected officials. Apparently now he's been demoted after much public backlash to executive director of mayor security, So, which is unclear if that was actually even, even an existing position. Um, so essentially he'll be overseeing all of Adam's security. Um, and everything was done under the table. Like, they didn't make any announcements, and this was only broken again after the New York Post reported his um, hiring. So, obviously, they knew this was something a little sketchy to be doing. Um, it is not legal. Um, and there really aren't any valid qualifications, except for the fact that they are brothers. <laughs> Um, And that seems to be the only argument Adams is giving to defend his position. He said, personal security, my life, my life. I want in the hands of my brother with his 20-year law enforcement experience. He has the police experience, but he also has the personal experience. He knows his brother, and he's going to keep his brother safe. So first of all, I don't understand why he spoke of himself in the third person in that statement. (laughs) That's true. He's he's going to keep Eric Adams safe. (laughs) <laughs> I'm Eric Adams, and I approve this <laughs> And so essentially his only argument was he essentially said, like, he really gets me. Mm. But it seems to be a really sensitive position to place your family member in, to be in charge of your safety. Um, and maybe this is a false equivalent, but if my parent was a surgeon, I really want, wouldn't want them operating on me, you know? But he said you wouldn't want them operating. I wouldn't want them operating right. on me. So isn't he kind of saying the exact opposite, though? This is what, what I'm he... saying. Uh-huh. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. my personal opinion. Oh, oh gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, especially if they weren't really that qualified, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And in yeah. both cases, life, life is at stake. Yeah, and that's the that's the weird thing because obviously, like he does have police experience, as does mm-hmm. Eric Adams, right? So, like yeah. uh, that, you know, if it was based on that qualification, like fair he gets like a security job or whatever mm-hmm. it's just it, it's just weird to me like besides the entire conflict of interest argument because obviously that's the main thing concerning his mayor mm-hmm. it's just weird to hire your own brother to be like basically your bodyguard yeah like, security head of security for the mayor is one thing head of security for your own brother like i guess the best case scenario in this case is he's stepping in front of a bullet for him you know yeah it's like his own brother is he's using yeah. his brother as a shield so just like why like i would never think to do that to like my sister like that's not 
Like, why would I want to, like, what is my, the purpose? Yeah, you wouldn't take a bullet for your sister. No. <laughs> Neither I would I. I wouldn't have my sister take a bullet for me. Oh, as wait. Oh, vice versa. Mm, right, yeah. right. Or, well, you the both. You know, it's just, it's strange. You know? Yeah, it is very odd. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not only a conflict of interest to the city, like you said, it's a conflict of interest to himself. Um, yeah, if it were um, my protection, I'd want to hire the best people for the job and people who maybe don't have emotional attachments and baggage to myself. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and mayors of the past have been appointed, have appointed family members. Bloomberg, Bloomberg appointed his sisters, his sister Marjorie uh, Tiven as commissioner for the UN, and de, Bla- de Blasio appointed his wife, uh, Shirlane McCrane, to run uh, the mayor fund to advance New York City. Um, but none of them ever received salaries. Adam's brother will be receiving two hundred ten a- grand annually. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, probably a, a solid four times more than any you know decently living person in New York City. You know, yeah. person who makes a good living. Exactly. It's probably at least four times more than that. Um, and it's and I'm, I'm probably being generous there, too. But the uh, the thing about, yeah, like you said, with former mayors, I, I think it's pretty it's pretty questionable to hire family members as a politician to be part mm-hmm. of your cabinet. I think what, like, for example, Trump did with his basically mm. entire family being part of his cabinet and his campaign yeah. team is just so unnecessary to like they're not. I mean, obviously, it's one of the one of the least important, you know, things to harp on about Trump. But like the fact that he's hiring his own family members to do that sort of thing, not only is it a conflict of interest, but why not hire like qualified people? Exactly. And why put them in that position where they're going to have to be working for you for like the next several years? And um, I mean, the way that I see this, it feels to me like this is probably a sort of an almost an honorary position Mm -hmm. to kind of give him a good amount of money, like a lot of money every year. To, you know, for being his brother, like he's upgrading him from a parking attendant or, you know, in charge of parking, whatever, uh, to head of security for the mayor, which is obviously a gigantic leap. And, um, you know, if he were hired, if his brother was hired to a different position somewhere in the city, considering his police experience, uh, you know, I guess that makes sense. But Mm -hmm. like to be hired specifically by the mayor and his own brother is it feels very, um, very much like a like a move to just update his brother's uh, salary. And with, say, um, presidents and the fact that presidents, first ladies, traditionally, have had like a a cause, right, that they Mm -hmm. focus on, similar to how you were saying de Blasio's wife, kind of similar to what her her role was, right? Yeah. Where they've been pushing forward a, I mean, they don't, it's not that they do that much Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of actual policy or anything like that, but they stand forward as like, this is the central cause I'm going to focus on. You know, Michelle Obama was trying to help uh, kids uh, eat better and exercise, right? Yeah. Uh, Melania Trump claimed to be helping uh, stop bullying, right? They they have like a cause. Yeah. And so that, and that's the purpose of having like, you know, the first lady be working side by side with with their husband. Other than that, when it's a salaried position and when it's a position where they, in theory, are making some kind of change in, in you know, whatever the security detail is for the mayor, you know, working right side by side, it's both nepotism and a conflict of interest. And as a, as a nepo baby myself, um, I should know that uh, that is not a reason to hire somebody to a job. It's the reason to, you know. Red flag. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then then shortly after the news broke of Adam's brother, Philip Banks announced his hiring um, as deputy mayor for public safety in an op ed for the uh, Daily News. And for those who don't know who he is, he's an ex-police chief with a pretty controversial past. 
Um, he resigned in 2014 from the NYPD while he was under federal investigation. And following Mr. Banks is even more nepotism. His, Mr. Banks' brother, David C. Banks, is the mayor's new school's chancellor, and Sheena Wright, the chancellor's partner, is deputy mayor for strategic operations. So just a really big familial circle now in the uh, mayor's office. Hey, the family that runs the city together yeah. stays together or something. I think that's, that's an old yeah, saying. Exactly. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's really strange. I mean, the fact that, like, I'm, as I as I scroll through, you know, ABC uh, News here, uh, just the fact, just this this phrase is a very interesting uh, uh, thing that anybody should have to say when you're hiring a person to a political office. City Hall pointed out that Banks was never charged with a crime. However, his phone was once federally wiretapped. <laughs> I feel like that should disqualify you automatically. Yeah, I don't know. and the fact that that this um, letter to the public. His his start as um, his public safety um, position, he has to start with denying these allegations. He has to apologize. And he also made some pretty snarky com- comments yeah. about the public backlash. Um, it's not a great start. It's not a great look. It's not great. I mean, we know that cops in general are very corrupt. Um, it used to be more so in New York City. You know, there's been like a history of issues with police corruption in New York City especially and it's luckily gone down because it's been a lot more unless it's been more subtle of course you know Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been a lot easier to trace corruption and Mm -hmm. you know figure out who where it stems from in recent years so it's it's been a lot less prevalent but um, for example you know there there were these three hundred thousand dollars that you know wound up from the NYPD in his bank account and his wife's bank account Um, he (laughs) banks get it because uh, he says he denied any wrongdoing, but yeah, had to apologize for that. Two other men me- uh, went for prison, went to prison for their involvement in the bribery scheme, mm-hmm. and uh, he said he made a mistake uh, in in interacting with these two guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know that doesn't erase what happened, and um, you know, so he uh, has now been hired to this position. You know, very controversially. I mean, luckily, you know, people are pushing back on this uh, more so than than you know they might have with uh, some of the other mayors in the past, even with some mm-hmm. of their questionable appointments, which I, I think is good now that you know this information is more readily available. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's a really you know he's not making a great name for himself in his first week. We talked about his police call last week. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, you know, his uh, his confrontation with UFT last week. Yeah. Um, uh, one other thing I want to briefly mention as well is uh, another comment he made this week that uh, was um, last week, rather, when he called uh, people who are lower wage workers who work in, say, retail. Specifically, he talked about cooks. He referred to them as uh, low-skill workers who do not have academic skills to sit in a corner office. Oh, my God. He used that as justification to, uh, to sign a new small business forward executive order, which generally is good. But, um, you know, uh, a, a way that he – the way, same way he talked – he's historically talked down to a lot of homeless people in the past is, uh, you know, a really unfortunate way to talk uh, people who often are almost homeless. Exactly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) well, that's all I I had to say for, um, Eric Adams and his nepotism controversy. Um, yeah. So I wanted to also kind of parlay that into, um, one of the issues we talked about with Eric Adams last week, Mm -hmm. which was the, uh, 
his refusal to to change any schooling options to online virtual options, mm-hmm. right? He clashed with the UFT over this, who wanted right. more vo- virtual options. He's clashed with a lot of parents and, and uh, education organizers with this. Um, and and he's now starting to clash with students about this because the fact that uh, Omicron has become has been surging, especially in schools where you know, uh, like our our college, for example, is currently on break, so we're not interacting with uh, college students in mm-hmm. a, in a wide capacity. But you know, s- since uh, high schools, middle school, elementary schools have all just come back from their uh, their Christmas holiday break last week. They are now interacting in very close proximity. Mm-hmm. You know, their break is a lot shorter, and Omicron really spiked and started to get really, really bad during a time when we were mostly on break, right? So now that kids are back in schools, it's become a lot more obvious how quickly this can spread among people who some are not vaccinated because the vaccination mandates are not necessarily completely in effect yet for, uh, for all students. And, uh, you know, most of, some of them have only recently been available. Um, but uh, students decided to um, organize a, a walkout um, of high school specifically today. This happened earlier today uh, at 11.52 p.m. or 11.52 a.m. rather. And uh, I said it happened today and I meant to say it happened yesterday. Uh, <laughs> Tuesday uh, was the uh, was a student walkout that was inspired specifically by um, a bunch of social media posts, especially the Instagram account. NYC Student Walkout 2022 was, uh, was a big uh, proponent and pusher of this. Um, students organized this in general the idea to walk out for students to en masse walk out of their schools at 11.52 a.m. just before lunchtime to uh, to protest the fact that in a lot of schools there are still not appropriate COVID regulations, uh, appropriate ventilation, stuff like that, and there is not a, a proper virtual option. In fact, just today there were reports that a lot of the uh, a lot of schools' softwares they've been using to try to make online accommodations for kids who have tested positive for COVID uh, like went down due to uh, due to large amounts of people oh on God. the programs. Um, so they organized this walkout and uh, they spread it far and wide to a lot of uh, different uh, schools. And I want to give a shout out to the, the schools who did walkout uh, yesterday at uh, on Tuesday. Um, Schools that walked out included, uh, and I didn't, I can't name all of them necessarily, but the schools that publicly announced their support, their student bodies did. Brooklyn Tech, John Adams High School, Fort Hamilton High School, Columbia Secondary School, Digital Tech School, High School of Law Advocacy and Community Justice, the Brooklyn Prospect Charter School, uh, the Manhattan Village Academy, the Nest Plus M School, Heritage High School, Wheels, Young Women's Leadership School in Queens, and the Brooklyn High School of the Arts are among the schools who... Got up almost the entire student bodies. If you look up uh, uh, photos of the what the schools looked like after students walked out, you can see just a, a handful of kids who might still be there. Uh, the Brooklyn Tech lunchroom was photographed, and there appeared to only be one student sitting at a table. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a, a very a very widely popular movement that ended up happening. And uh, you know, I've seen a lot of other people uh, asking about when the next one's going to be, if this is going to spread farther and wider. Um, but yeah, so. What, what their demands uh, circle, circulate around are um, importantly, most importantly, remote learning options that are available to all students, safety precautions within schools uh, that uh, should be increased due to the surge in Omicron. Um, and uh, the estimates right now uh, say that several hundred students overall participated at Brooklyn Tech High School alone. Uh, over 400 students walked out of the building and have been captured on, on video uh, numerous times uh, doing so. And 
so far, there were not really major attempts to shut these things down, which is really great. Um, the not, the chancellor did not reach out to any of the schools. Some schools even endorsed uh, what was happening. They were given permission by the school uh, boards. And um, so a couple of the of the students spoke to reporters as well. Um, for the Gothamist specifically, uh, a student named Sarah from Brooklyn Tech said, uh, students like me that have parents that are immunocompromised, students that are themselves immunocompromised, I can't imagine how anxious they are to go into a building and feel like they're putting their lives at risk uh, every day. And another student named Samantha uh, from Stuyvesant said, uh, the main goal we have is to have a temporary shutdown of schools in New York City and a hybrid option for students who have food insecurities or who need childcare. We also want more COVID testing for students and staff and an improved DOE health screening. Um, so the city right now is saying that it's testing about 10% of students who are unvaccinated mm-hmm. at the moment uh, in every school and about 10% as well of vaccinated students. It's, you know, a lot of these schools are doing like randomized sample uh, sizes because they can't necessarily test everybody. But, you know, most people um, are uh, are not covered by that at all times. So COVID is, is spreading very rapidly. Uh, Brooklyn Tech specifically was told that um, they were they were received an email that a uh, hundred, I believe, one hundred and fourteen students tested positive, tested positive for COVID during the Omicron surge, and did so while they had just been coming from school. That the email itself wrote, uh, one hundred and fourteen members of our school community have tested positive for COVID nineteen, may have exposed others while at school. This was received Tuesday morning, just before the walkout. Um, now, the most the most concerning part of this as well that was Tuesday previous Friday, back on Friday, they got an email that reported there had been 85 cases, meaning almost 30 cases had happened just over the weekend and Monday. Um, Brooklyn Tech, uh, I've been there, I toured there back in the day, is mm. is a, uh, it's very close, packed together school, you know, it's yeah. like it's at your typical New York City high school. And of course, a number like, you know, 29, uh, or rather 31 additional cases, I failed math in high school. Um <laughs> Is going to happen in just a, a matter of a few days. So this is this is where we're at right now. Uh, it remains to be seen whether something like this is going to happen again. But I've seen people talking about it online, and uh, yeah. Ugh, those poor kids. That's so frustrating. Yeah, I really love what they're doing, though. It's really cool to see something like. like I, mm-hmm. It reminds me of when the March for Our Lives was happening years ago, and uh, students were walking out, um, including myself, across uh, high schools across yeah. the country, and. If this were, if this is seen as a serious issue, you know, quickly enough, mm-hmm. then hopefully something will be done about it um, from the DOE's point of view. Yeah, I hope so too. I just hope Adams gets enough backlash where he feels the need to do something. Yeah, this is a, it's a weird scenario because like, it's almost not to compare Eric Adams to Donald Trump, obviously, because it's not like a, necessarily a fair comparison. On but, a smaller scale, let's, yeah. I mean, all the familial stuff, as we've already said. We've we've been kind of dipping into comparing him a bit to the Trump family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are certainly comparisons to be drawn. Uh, obviously, he's a far more, uh, uh, far more left leaning, you know, mm-hmm. if you can call it that, um, candidate than, than Donald Trump. You know, um, not, it's not that mm-hmm. far, but you know, to be fair. Um, but to compare, you know, the first couple of days of Eric Adams' presidency to say the first couple of days, uh, mayoralty rather, uh, the first couple of days of, of Trump's presidency. Uh, there has there was like a term that was thrown around um, back then called uh, oh well now I'm forgetting it but something along the lines of like outrage overload right mm-hmm. where there were so many things happening at once with Trump uh, in the early days of his presidency that we had so much to be upset about that some of these things that would have seemed like huge scandals for other presidents other politicians got forgotten about in favor of like the next thing that mm-hmm. came along you know and that just kept happening through his whole presidency 
And over the first couple of days of, of Eric Adams' presidency, that seems to be a similar thing. You know, he's got these nepotistic and, and like, you know, ex-criminal appointees in his cabinet. He's got these COVID, this COVID controversy. He has, like, the thing where he called the cops. He's got, like, his previous campaign platform that everybody was already upset about and, and not, you know, into. There's, like, there's a lot of things that are already uh, weighing on the minds of people who, who are upset at Eric Adams. And so it's like it, it's hard for him to, you know, necessarily I don't know if he's going to be taking them in one by one. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was a really great comparison. I would say he he's hit the ground running, but not in the way um, we want him to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are other politicians who have certainly hit the ground running in a, in a positive way, trying to tie up all the loose ends, which I think he thinks he's doing on some level. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, it's unfortunate that this many things have happened so quickly that, uh, you know, it's like it's kind of a bad time, I think, for some, a candidate like him to come into office when mm-hmm. a COVID surge is actively happening, you know, and also when uh, there have not been any tangible improvements to policing and he plans to not really, like, go in that direction. Right. You know? But um, I guess maybe this will be a good segue into some other some former politicians of New York. Um, so as of last week, a New York judge dismissed the one criminal charge of former Governor Andrew Cuomo um, after sexual misconduct allegations. So this one comes from um, Brittany Camisso. Um, she was Governor Cuomo's um, assistant, um, executive assistant since 2017, and she reported he had groped her in the government's mansion twice and also exhibited just really creepy sexually aggressive behavior and he had been grooming her for months and although several women came forward with similar um, offenses her case was certainly the most serious um and because hers was the most serious it's likely that he will not be charged for any other of his sexual misdemeanors at all and then to add insult to injury um the announcement came just after the decisions by district attorneys in Nassau and Westchester counties not to bring charges against Mr. Cuomo on other sexual misconduct allegations. And it concludes his only criminal charge that comes from Attorney General's 165-page scathing report of investigations into the allegations of sexual assault by Governor Cuomo. And it's why he resigned in the first place. And all of the courts said that they were... Um, and this is their words, deeply troubled by the allegations, they essentially said you can't build a valid criminal case on them. Um, David Swars, the Albany Court District Attorney, said, well, we found the com- um, plaintiff um, in this case cooperative and credible. After review of all the available evidence, we have concluded that we cannot meet our burden at trial. Um so the fallout of all these investigations, led by multiple different groups from state to local, shows really how hard it is to get um, sexual um, to char- how hard it is to charge cases of sexual assault and misconduct in criminal court, even though they were found to be believable and credible. Um, and then, essentially, to make a valid criminal charge, prosecutors in Albany would have had to prove not only that Mr. Cuomo had touched Ms. Camisso, but he had done so with the intention of satisfying his own sexual desire or of um, degrading her. And because that's nearly impossible and they rarely have the physical evidence for these things, the burden falls on the testimony. So the burden falls on Camisso to retell her story and to essentially relive her trauma. And so after Letitia James released the report this summer on August 3rd, 
Ms. Camisto, whose allegations were included in the report, filed a complaint to Sheriff Craig Apple of Albany County. And um, his office investigated a few months later in October and filed criminal charges against Cuomo. But they did so without um, her consent or consulting her. Um, and it was also happened to be the same week that Miss James announced her candidacy for governor. Um, so that felt kind of politically motivated to me rather than actually doing um, commiso justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just released a statement, commiso said um, last week, my disappointing experience of revictimization with the failure to prosecute a serial sex abuser, no matter what degree the crime committed, yet again sadly highlights the reason victims are afraid to come forward, especially against people in power. Um, and then just to go off of this, um, every year there are roughly 1,400 cases um, that are very similar to Cuomo's in New York alone, and four out of ten of them are dismissed. And the standard to prove these cases um, pretty well exemplified um, for Cuomo's uh, example is that they have the highest standards among the legal system. And oftentimes jurors have their own biases and mixed conceptions of sexual abuse before they even go into cases like these. So it's this phenomenon, even when women are deemed credible, it's just not enough for them to be convinced beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, And then it's just more disturbing that Cuomo was never impeached, and so that potentially leaves room for him to come back into office, though I still doubt he will. But there's also no accountability for his nursing home scandal because the Manhattan District Attorney has also closed without bringing any charges of investigation into Cuomo's handling of the nursing home deaths towards the start of the pandemic. So essentially we just have... uh, this guy who's he's just getting away with it all <laughs> yeah it's it's really uh you know this is i think a really a really good example of something that's been kind of a theme of the news recently mm-hmm. which is certain people who were involved in high profile sex crimes being convicted and certain people not being convicted at mm-hmm. all and it, it really depends on the, the the status and the power that you have uh, you know, and depends on where your position really is. Like, yeah. for example, I mean, this reminds me a little bit in a certain way of the uh, Ghislaine Maxwell um, uh, trial result. Mm. I think it's a great thing that she is going to be, you know, receiving some sort of consequences yeah. for what she did. But, uh, you know, ultimately, a lot of the people who have been implicated as people who, you know, visited Epstein's Island and who, who uh, were very deeply involved with some of the actual sex acts that were mm-hmm. that were committed – uh, such as, you know, people at least who are accused include Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, uh, Bill Gates, even. Uh, right. Chris Tucker, I heard, was one of them, the actor. <laughs> I, that's kind of a shocker, but apparently that's a thing. Um, and, you know, numerous other high, really high-profile people and really mm-hmm. rich people. And those people are barely being investigated. And this has happened with Trump over and over again with, like, you know, all the people who say they're going to investigate him and nothing really comes of it. Yeah. So it's it's not surprising to me that this mm-hmm. happened. It should be surprising to us in a country that is supposed to follow through on equal justice and innocent till proven guilty. And also, you know, the the concept of hearing out an allegation, a credible allegation of uh, especially such a horrible crime. Yeah, um, it just really hurts that it felt like there was a lot of momentum to um, to get him out of office and to give these women justice. But then it went as far as h- making him resign 
and then they just kind of dropped the charges, and now he's just free. And so it just hurts that it's this something that was so politically motivated, but kind of just lacked the depth to actually give these women justice. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's also the uh, the you know the thing about politicians too is it's, it's it almost feels like you know. When a politician who is known to be like somebody who has committed crimes or done like really horrible things in office uh, is finally defeated, mm-hmm. it, it feels like the the conquering, like a happy ending in a, a movie. They defeat yeah. the villain, and right. then nothing comes after. You know, it's it's never there's never anything after. Mm-hmm. Trump is is another example of that. Not to harp on that, Cuomo is is an obvious example of that. Mm-hmm. Richard Nixon never went to jail. You know, politicians for. Decades for all of time have committed awful acts, never been formally tried for them. It's very rare that ever happens, right? Right. Usually when it does happen, it's somebody low level enough that they can kind of not gather the entire party behind Mm -hmm. them. You know, Anthony Weiner can can go under, but like people who are, you know, committing gigantic acts on way bigger scales, you know, are not not punished in that way. And uh, I, I think the thing about the nursing homes that really... That was that was an issue that that didn't even get I think as much attention as no, the sexual assault and you know you could certainly argue in a way if he was very much involved in making those decisions as involved as he as he appears to be then that's probably a worse accusation the fact that he contributed to the deaths of 170,000 people in nursing homes right. you know who should not have been in those nursing homes mm-hmm. should not have been in those that close proximity if he's not even facing charges, if he's not going to face charges for the sexual assault, then he should at least face charges for that. I mean, he should face charges for both. Mm-hmm. He, this issue with his book deal also seems to not be going very far. Uh, yeah. There's another motion to, to try to strike that down today. And it's I, – I don't – when somebody – this might be another another situation like we were talking about before with Eric Adams and, and Trump with like – this outrage overload idea where there's so much to try him for, they're deciding to try him for nothing. And, you know, ultimately people have people who are such as Letitia James, people such as who are in these high offices of, of uh, law and politicians who have, uh, you know, continued after him. Kathy Hochul, for example, mm-hmm. uh, have the power to do things like this, you know, just just like President Biden has the power to do many things he claims his hands are tied about. This is why we elect politicians, is to follow up on the mistakes of the previous politicians. Otherwise, we'd keep the same politicians forever. Cuomo, we would not have pressured Cuomo to resign if we thought he was innocent or we thought he should not face any kind of justice, right? Right. We would not have voted out Trump if we thought he shouldn't face any justice. Mm -hmm. He should still face justice, you know? Yeah. Time will tell, but will it really? (laughs) Will it really? Will it really? Well, uh, at least Prince Andrew is uh, getting dunked on a little bit there. So, uh, you know, we might see some justice in England. <laughs> we don't see it in America. <laughs> Whatever. You know, this is how this world works. Also, the Ronnie Spector mm-hmm. has passed away. So the world is a cold, dead place. You know that album? It's a good album. Explosion You'll have to show it to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Okay. We'll, anyway. we'll listen to it. I guess we'll listen to it after this. <laughs> Perfect. Um, anyways, this was a very optimistic episode. Mm-hmm. I think we covered some good things, um, and I think we're running 
this it goes by really quickly. It does. We're already running almost ten minutes over time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Um, I hope we cover some good news next week. Yeah, um, maybe some, that'll happen. Some better news. Yeah, maybe something. I mean, I think the school walkout is good news. The, we'll t- the school walkout is very good news, and I feel like. It's going to receive attention in a very positive way, and hopefully, yes. we'll see um, progress with that next week. Yeah, yeah. I I would hope that maybe there's some other kind yeah. of walkout, some other kind of movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, we'll yeah. see. Um, and maybe we'll we'll ha- we'll have a little palate cleanser next week and and not talk about Eric Adams. Yeah, maybe you know, let's try <laughs> to keep Eric Adams off the show next. Yeah. Week. And who knows? Maybe one day we'll keep him uh, out of office. Out of office. Um, out of New York City. Yeah. Voting is important, folks. Um, I would like to recommend that you take a look at the candidates for uh, the governor's mm. race in New York State for the 2022 primaries. Yeah. And I'd like you to reconsider some of the things that Kathy Hochul has done and has not done mm-hmm. as governor. I know she's only been there for a little while, but hey, I would personally encourage you to take a look at some of the other candidates uh, and, uh, you know, see what's Some food for thought. Yeah. yeah. Um, well... If you don't have anything else to say, uh, I, I think, think that okay. I think that's gonna do it for us here. Um, if you like what you heard or you want to hear something different, you can email us at news at wnyu.org. Um, I'll be here next week, same time, same place, with Jack Peterson, and I hope you'll join us. Um, this is I'm Grace Swanabo, and this has been the rundown here on WNYU eighty nine point one FM, New York. And uh, I'm Jack Peterson, and I wanted to close out because we just talked oh. about it with a track from uh, from the Explosions in the Sky album. Okay, the yeah. world is not a cold, dead place. I was going to ask to do that, but I didn't know if it'd be too much. But oh, no, I'm it, glad you're doing it. It's just that the fact that I am I'm really bad at handling aux cords that are a couple feet away from me is the problem. Mm-hmm. I host a radio show weekly, just so you know, and uh, I apparently can't even figure out how to use basic we're, technology. We're so, pros with technology. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, maybe you are. Um, This is Your Hand and Mine by Explosions in the Sky. And uh, stay tuned after this song for uh, a number of new podcasts. We have new episodes of But Why, new episodes of The Good, The Bad, The Similar, really, really incredible efforts this week, and a new bonus episode of Yesterday's Heroes. We'll answer your, uh, Ben Walsh will answer your questions, (laughs) your fan (laughs) questions. Anyway, um, it's time to put down the microphone. Yeah, thanks for listening. We'll go... With some dignity left in us. Um, A little bit. Goodbye.